Hello, everybody. Welcome to Strategy Can Be Fun. I am your host, Keith Burgun. Uh, today, I have a super exciting guest to bring to you. It is Soren Johnson, the founder of Mohawk Games, the designer of Civ 4. I think he co-designed Civ 3 as well or something along those lines. Um, he also made Offworld Trading Company, which was his first big game with his new studio. And most recently, he has uh, put out uh, Old World, which has been out for a while on EGS and is coming to Steam this week. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, go and, you know, wishlist it and uh, grab it when you can. I mean, I, I recommend this game. If you like Forex games, if you like strategy games, um, if you like game design generally, um, it's definitely worth taking a look at this game at the very least for the ways in which it... Uh, improves upon the 4x formula. I should also quickly announce that this week is also a big week for KB Games. This Friday we are doing, we're launching the, uh, this is what Brett has been working tirelessly on for the last like month or two. Uh, we are launching the Dragon Bridge Board Game Arena module. It's going into alpha on Friday. I'm really excited. We're gonna be streaming all day from about 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I really hope y'all come by and hang out with us if you want to see this cool strategy game, which I have to say, like, you know, a lot of my games, the, how I feel about them changes from time to time. And, you know, some some of them, I will admit, are bad. Uh, I just did a GDC talk about one of my games that was just outright bad. But Dragon Bridge is really cool and fun and I'm really proud of it and um, so I really hope people come and check it out because it's been it's difficult to get the word out about a weird little uh, board game like this um, especially post Kickstarter we did a very small Kickstarter for it which succeeded which was cool but it was a very small run and uh, yeah I just I think it deserves a little more uh, visibility so I'm really hoping that uh, board game arena takes off in that way but today's guest is as I mentioned Soren Johnson very exciting. Very excited to have him here. Very smart person. Um, I consider him very much like in the same uh, trenches as I am in terms of really caring about strategy game design. Uh, he supports his games. He writes all these patches. Um, he's a really, really dedicated uh, person in this space. And so I'm really pleased to present to you Soren Johnson. All right. So Soren Johnson, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Keith. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. Um, so you're somebody I've wanted to talk to for a long time um, about these topics because obviously um, Civ has, you know, Civ is a big deal. And uh, we've also done a talk together uh, back in 2013. Uh, we did yep. a talk at practice, uh, NYU's practice conference, which they no longer do, sadly. Um, oh, really? I'm quite That's sad about bad. that. Yeah. yeah. Last two or three years, they stopped doing them. But um I'm hoping they come back because it had been really nice to have a conference here in New York. Oh yeah. Uh, where okay. are you, where are you living by the way? Uh, we're in the DC, the DC area basically. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah. Are there any uh, game conferences out there? Uh, there's a Magfest, which was originally uh -huh. like a, a music focused event. Um, and it was just getting to the point where I was like, you know, I really should check it out. And then like COVID happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was kind of the end of it. Um, so, yeah, no, East Coast, it's, you know, East Coast is all the people, but we don't have the conferences. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah, that's true. 
Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to start off by like maybe diving back a little bit to the history, uh, your history with Civ, like on a personal level, like what, you, what drew you to those games and, you know, what, what excites you about them and what, what drew you to want to make games along those lines? Sure. Um, um, so I've always really been into history. And I've mm-hmm. always really been into Sid's games, <laughs> so it's it's almost like I couldn't I couldn't a- avoid it. it. You know, it was um, uh, especially by because I was able to uh, kind of find myself working at Fraxis on Civ Three as my first like full time game game dev job, mm-hmm. um, and you know I always was really into board games growing up and strategy games, and you know loved loved pirates, loved railroad tycoon. And I, got, I bought Civilization on, uh, I remember it was like my first week at, at, at university. Uh, like I just, I just saw it at the campus bookstore and, um, you know, I, I had no idea it was out or I had no idea it was even a thing. And uh, the funny thing is that, you know, for this, from my perspective, it just seemed like the obvious next step because there was this escalation of stuff. You know, there was like Populous and there was SimCity and then like, oh, okay, sure. Here's a game about all civilization, and of course it would be by Sid, right? He'd be the guy to, right, to figure out how to how to do it. And of course, it might not have worked out. You know, I had I at that point I had not read any reviews. I had no idea whether it was a good game or not. Um, and you know, I just jumped in, and um, you know, obviously it was it was, it was very addictive. Uh, it was very interesting because you know it it tackled. A, you know, it was it was just so broad. I mean, tackling all of human history was really was really ambitious and. What's really interesting, it I think, is that I, I sort of imagine what the more likely path if you ran the Earth simulation like a thousand times is mm-hmm. that there would have been a bunch of attempts to make this game that failed, that a game like this that failed, and then someone eventually would have figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, somehow we got the version of Earth where the first time out, <laughs> like someone actually did a really good job with it, um, and uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with like how like if you look at the very first sieve like it's it's it it's really simple you know there's sure. a lot of stuff he he you know you know like all of religion is just like uh, you know like a temple like and a cathedral or something yeah which give you you know like make your people happy like that that's it mm-hmm. right um and um yeah it's kind of interesting because later on in his career when he came back to sieve he did Civ revolution for the console um, mm-hmm. and to a lot of people that was like, oh, this is like simplified Civ. And I was like, well, sort of really, it's more like going back to the way Civ was originally. Um, sure. because over time there's been a lot layered on top of it. Um, right. but you know, at the same time I was, I was like a history major in college and I had, I had somewhat grandiose ideas of like, you know, this, this, this combination of like history and games and like, you know, textbooks were, textbooks were old fashioned, man. Like this is the way you should be learning about history, right? Like it, you know, it's, it's, you know, we should be making these games and simulation and putting you in the shoes of, of, you know, of people at the time. And some of that is true, but I don't think at the time I appreciated just, there's a certain, I don't know if the right term is centrifugal or some, there's a certain force that happens for a game. Like a game has to, be engaging in a fun in a way that is oftentimes like a complete cross purposes with trying to teach history or trying to be true to history. Um, yeah. 
but at any rate, this is this is the stew I came from. <laughs> and so I was super lucky that I was able to right when I was coming out of, of college, they were they, they needed to hire a bunch of people for, for Civ three. And so, you know, I got to I got to work on really what was sort of like a perfect game game for, for my my background. Well, see, that's really interesting because like, so I've always been a huge Civ fan um, and, uh, but I've never, uh, until I went back to school in 2016 for political science, and then I studied some history, but before then I had never been um, particularly interested in history actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me, Civ was more like this, you know, almost like abstract roguelike kind of like a simulationist machine, almost more like a dwarf fortress or something mm-hmm. along those lines where it was just a story generator. And, you know, the actual specifics of like, oh, this is Rome or whatever, like, you know, that might as well be a, a, a made up word and a made up concept, you know. Um, yeah. And so I always approach Civ from a sort of more abstract or, you know, systemic uh, perspective, I guess. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see like how that um, forms. Cause I do think you're my, my sense is, I'm not sure what the breakdown is, but like my sense is that like a lot of people who are very into Civ are also very into history. Like that makes a lot of sense to me because of the theme and um, uh, you know, the setting and everything. Uh, but I am curious to know like how, how do you think that? Uh, how do you think that forms your analysis of Civ? And when you go on to make games of your own, like Old World, um, I assume that's something that you you want to. And Old Old World seems to me to be a, a big step forward in terms of what you were talking about with um, video games being a better way to like learn about history and stuff. Like I I actually feel like I'm getting a better historic flavor uh, from Old World. Uh, for many reasons than sure. I ever did from Civ. Um, yeah. I mean, Civ's, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Civ's just too audacious. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and there's no reason if you're going to make a game about history, like fine, you've already given yourself a huge challenge because, you know, again, like games kind of often pull in, in a certain direction where it's going to give you trouble for whatever you're trying to communicate. Sure. And if, if what you decide is like, Oh, and I'm also going to make a game, about 6,000 years of human, you know, basically all of recorded yeah. history. It's like, you know, like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah, you know, it's interesting when you said, when you said you looked at it from like just a kind of a mechanical point of view, there's like another way to look at Civ, which is like, oh, and this is really reductionist, but it is true that like Civ is really just empire with a tech tree. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's it really is to some extent. Like if you, if you really zoom out, like have you, do you know what empire is? Uh, vaguely. I, I've, I remind us. Because, right. um, so, yeah. so empire is a game from the, like the mid eighties. I wouldn't be surprised if it came, like if it, if it originally originated from like mainframes or whatnot, but mm-hmm. I don't remember the history off the top of my head, but eventually it became like a box product that you could buy. Um, and it's just a, a, a grid of the world. Right. And you, uh, you have, you know, tanks and uh, there's, uh, shoot, I don't remember if there's cities, but basically it's the combat. It's like Civ just with a combat and sure. it's, it's all, it's all modern units. So it's like aircraft carriers and submarines and bombers and fighters and tanks and artillery and so on. And you'd play against the AI or you play against other humans and it's turn-based and it's a, you know, it's a chess grid type thing. Right. And um, the, um, it, it was really the framework that Sid built Civ inside of. Um, 
like the the stuff didn't it, did, it didn't just come from from nowhere, right? And of mm-hmm. course, obviously, there's lots of there's lots of hex encounter board games are also probably in this neighborhood. But like, if you sure. look at Empire, if you look at a screenshot of Empire, you're like, oh wow, that actually really it really really looks like Civ. Like even the, the way the, like the icons are kind of uh, laid out, um, mm. and so Civ was really like taking that and then just layering a tech tree and I think probably cities as well, just the kind of the whole idea of like city development, mm-hmm. like on top of that and city development, that was very much like Sid was inspired by SimCity, right? Like that was his initial idea was like, I'm going to take SimCity, but do it about the whole planet. And like, it was orig- originally yeah. a real time game. Right. Um, mm. And so I think it's, I think that didn't work out. And I think he kind of pulled back and was like, okay, I, I, I'm going to use empire as a framework to make, make Civ work. Um, and now I've lost track. What was your, you're kind of asking about history, like how. Um, yeah. Like how, how the historical perspective would, imp, you know, would yeah. uh, challenge channel you into certain kinds of dev- designs for yeah. this kind of, kind of game. Yeah. As so opposed I think, to someone who is just looking at it mechanically. Sure. So I think if you're, if you're focusing on the history aspect, I think it's really hard to make it a, a, a history game that that's going to, it's going to just teach communicate something in a meaningful way if it's at a super abstract high level. I think the mm-hmm. best way to do that is to try to put you in the shoes of someone because then you're going to be forced to make choices and you know you can you can arrange the the you know pluses and minuses, the benefits and the costs of everything in a way that makes you feel the tension of the time, right? Um, and you know, like at, at times when it doesn't get too kind of goofy, like Crusader Kings can be good at this, right? They can, yeah. you can see why, you know, like why there was this split between the idea of like the state and like the the king, or the king's family and dynasty and like, like their possessions were not the same thing as the state, right? And, that, right. and that's why they often acted in ways that were in their own interest and not in the interest of their, their people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something you, you could say applies to a game like uh, Papers, Please, right? That, you mm-hmm. know, is, is very much about like, you know, I'm just going to put you the shoes of this this person who has these these tensions they face with their job every day. And it's probably, you probably never thought of like, you know, kind of empathizing with the job of like a border guard. But mm-hmm. if I, you know, if you do this, if you do the game in a good way, you're going to, you're going to feel something and you're going to, you're going to start thinking about things in a, in a different way. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why if I was going to go back to doing a history game, I felt like, well, like I, you know, it would be a good idea to make it about characters so that it was, it was attached to like real human lives. You know, every year is a turn you know, you, you, you know, you have your kids, you make decisions about them. You relate to other characters, you relate to the other leaders in the game, right? Like right. this is, this is a big thing for diplomacy and it really, it fixes a problem with Civ, you know, and that like Civ has these, this sort of like long-term diplomacy problem of, you know, okay, you got the Egyptians to the one side of you and you got the Chinese to another. And like, maybe you make friends with one. There's a good chance if you make friends with one, you'll just stay friends with them the whole game. Unless like, I, as a designer, kind of figure out some way to stick my thumb on the scale and force some sort of like conflict or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you usually hear from the players is like, like, ah, oh, the AI, you know, the, the AI is either schizophrenic or the AI is just coded to dislike the human or so on and so forth. You sure, know, where, yeah. Whereas in old world, well, you got a new ruler and maybe this new ruler dislikes you because you were, you did something else, you know, in the past or, you know, you favored someone else or or whatever, but there's like this natural flow to it. 
Yeah, I've definitely noticed that 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 system really does work to sort of freshen up things uh, every, you know, 70, 80 turns or so. You have a little bit of that uh, turnover, which is, I think, a very healthy thing for the game. And actually, you know, uh, well, actually, yeah, let's get into. So I want to talk about Old World, but first let's talk about a little bit more about Civ, because something I love talking about and I could talk about all the, all day is the problems that I have with Civ, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think every Civ player that I've ever met all have, you know, a litany of like, oh, every Civ game has this problem and this problem, you know? So right. I'm very curious to hear what you th- what your top s- historic Civ problems uh, has been, or not historic in the sense of, you know, history, but like in the history of the game civilization, uh, what have been, in your view, its biggest like design challenges and, and issues uh, for sure. players? Um, or for you, actually. Sure. I mean, I, I could, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've had a front row seat to a bunch of these problems, sure. so yeah. uh, I can I can probably go on for a while. But um, the uh, first off, the game's just too long, right? Yes. Um, it's the longer a game goes, the far, the the harder it is as a designer to know what kind of state or condition the player is going to be in at that point. You know, like yeah. uh, how close they'll be to the AI, what their relationships will be what's going to be going on inside their, their nation, you know, like 200 turns in, maybe you have a reasonable idea, but by like five or 600 turns, it's just like, who knows? And also by the, <laughs> that, that time, like it just becomes a challenge to maintain the game, keep it interesting for the player. It, it, it has to be that long kind of just because it has to be that long. If you're going to do all of human history, you know, you, you have to give, you have to give knights their, their moment on the stage, right? You have to right. give the Napoleon era, era it's, it's, stage you can't you can't even get to chariots too quick you have to have that kind of Mm. like real early uh you know start um so it's um you know that that that's that's just a problem that comes with a theme um well it's like it's a marriage of the theme and also the way that units and like turns work right like because like you were talking about knights for example and so okay what's a knight a knight is like a little unit and it has to be able to move around on the board and sort of like be effective in like the military battles right like there could be some other like a real-time version of it or something where knights are just like an abstract force you know right. uh, more like some of those like par- paradox games um but but because of the i think it's because of the like discrete nature of civ with the grid and with the you know the units that go on the grid like a war game it's that plus the fact that you yeah i agree knights do need to have their time in the sun you know uh yep. and that's a that's a really tiff how do you do that in under 800 turns or a thousand turns yeah yeah there's kind of a <laughs> Kind of a good anecdote from Civ Four that that kind of proves the the, the difficulties with this. In that we we implemented a um, game speed option for that, and basically it was like, okay, we're gonna have the main the main the, the the default mode. Then we're gonna have a fast mode and a slow mode. And the only thing it changed because you can't you can't change everything. Otherwise, you, you're not really changing anything um, in terms of like how fast things progress. We're 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 gonna change like how fast you get technologies. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to change how fast your cities spit out units or how many tiles are on the map or how long it takes to cross the world, mm. right? Okay. And so, you know, like we're zooming into one thing, we're, we're zooming out, we're zooming into one thing, but keeping the other thing constant. And basically what that means is, you know, if on the faster mode, like you'll just, you know, that that's what that meant, that was intended before is for kind of like multiplayer, where it's like, okay, 
Yeah, you called it dual, I think. Right. Uh, well, that was that was something. I think that was the map size. But um, oh, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. But the uh, but the, it was intended for basically like okay, at some point you, you're not into it, the question isn't about the fantasy of like knights should have their stage. You just want a, a, a game that works, right? That you'll sure. actually finish, right? And then at the yes. other end, it's like, well, if I half this number, I might as well double it and see, you know, <laughs> it's out there for people who are really right. into that stuff. And the response was people were like, oh, this is great. I love the longer mode. And it's like, oh. And it's like, but you know what? I really wish. I wish it was even longer. <laughs> so wow. we like we eventually added like a marathon mode where like I was this was like this was one of my like like you idiots moment as a designer where I'm like, fine, you know, I'll just give you know, it's just an option, I'll give the people what they want. And like sure. you know, I still meet people meet people who are like, oh, the, the best way to play Civ four is marathon mode. And oh. to me it's just like this ridiculous game mode that that it just goes on and on. But the thing is like it, it's it's important to it's important to keep in mind where you when you make a game like Civ, to some extent, like it's almost like a public trust or a utility mm-hmm. or something. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't dictate how people are going to play the game. Because there's yeah. so many different ways people are going to approach a game like Civ. First off, because the t- the topic, right? Like we're all we're all part of history, right? We're all part sure. of this world, um, and um, so it, it, you know the, the topic relates to all of us. But but beyond that, like there are so many different ways to approach a game of Civ, and it doesn't need at all to. It doesn't really need to be about the mechanics or the the tightness of the design, right? Sure. Um, so it's just it's just a thing. But at any rate, you were asking about so yeah, the, the, like different game. Thing. Yeah, the uh, yeah the different different things that bother you, and I, th- I yeah, length is probably uh, the top of the list, and you know, or just you know, actually, rather than saying length, I might say like, um, like like uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like scope or something, or like yeah. the, the, like the action, size of like action the, explosion or something like that, like because you know, you start with two units, then you have four units, then you have eight, then you have sixteen, then you have thirty-two, right, and like. Yes, that, but also simultaneously what happens, I don't know, for me, the way I play, I'm like kind of like a lazy hardcore, I guess they say, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I I do not like min-max stuff at all. Um, I mean, I try to win, but I don't go in and, you know, micromanage everything. And um, so I, uh, for me, what happens with Civ uh, almost every time is I reach a certain point of like stability where I'm doing well, and then I'm just pressing enter like over and over and over and over and over again. Um, And even though you're right, like there's so many things, but you know, you automate things and you, you just like, at some point you're just like, I can't care about what my 15th city is going to like, if it's going to build a hospital now or a granary, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it just becomes impossible. The scope becomes so uh, big that the individual things, which in the beginning of the game were like so meaningful, right? And now I'm just like, I don't care, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and I don't think there's any way to make that work, right? Like you have to, these early granular decisions are great. Like they're, they totally work and they're fantastic, right? You know, making that choice of like, do I build a barracks or a temple, right? They have very, very different ramifications. And the only way to make the game design work at, you know, like 300, 400 turns in is you'd have to have some way of changing it at like a fractal level, you know, like suddenly you zoom out and like now the cities are regions and like, it's easy for me to say that, but good luck trying to design it, making it work. Right. Um, So yeah, like that's absolutely right. Like those, those important decisions at some point just become kind of meaningless and that's, that's a huge problem. You also touched on another one, which is like what, what's called the eternal China syndrome um, hmm. is uh, which is that 
at some point you just hit this point of stability internally mm. where you're like, I got my cities, they're doing great. I got my territory. And like, you know, maybe I get in a war, maybe I don't, but, but if I don't get in a war, like I just, I can just hit end turn, right? Like nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Nothing's really going to change. You know, yeah. my cities Clean that up. were, yeah, my cities that were good at science are going to keep being good. In fact, they're going to get even better at science. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just this kind of like a snowball. And that yeah. will always happen in, in 4X games to, to, to some extent, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's definitely, it's, that's definitely something that like I wanted to tackle with, with old world. Um, yeah. So let's, let's, things up. let's move into old world. I, I, what are, so, so, you know, what were you going for with old world? What was your, like, this is my like sort of dream scenario. This is what I really want to do. It's awesome that you, you know, with both old world and off world trading uh, that you were able to, you know, have that freedom of it's not a sieve game. So now yep. you can actually make, you know, something without that constraint, which I totally agree, by the way, it's like a public utility almost. Uh, yep. uh, yeah. So with old world, what were you going for? What were you trying to do? Yeah. I mean, what are you trying to do? Cause you're still patching it right at this point. Oh I, yeah. I we're still working on, it. I mean, it's a, I mean, games, that's the way games are nowadays. I mean, we're, yep. you know, we're lucky that we're in a place where people are, people are into it and they want us, you know, they, they want us to keep working on it and they keep giving us mm-hmm. feedback. So um, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to keep working on it. Um, but um, yeah, like there was a couple different thrusts. I mean, some of it was continuing the work that I thought I did with Civ 4, which was, um, you know, I want to solve these big problems with that 4X games have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think I had a better understanding of, of, of uh, you know, kind of cursed, you know, to use a phrase from a, a really good GDC talks, a cursed game design problems. Like what, mm-hmm. what problems uh, of the 4X games are really like intractable that like if you really want to change them, you really, you can't just kind of like, get the numbers right you really have to get get in at the roots right yeah um and so like a, a good example of that is uh ics this is another one of these acronyms you see a lot which is that's infinite city sleaze and that's okay. um that's the, the the fact that like when you're playing civ generally speaking the best strategy is always to cram as many cities onto the map as possible mm-hmm. right like in the most classic version of this like you're talking civ one civ two you know, people figured out that they could literally put a city on every fourth tile, right? Ah. Like, like one, wow. one, like one square between each every city, and it's just a completely unstoppable. And like at that, you know, you know, it's just it's just a completely unstoppable strategy, just just because of some really simple math, right? Sure. Um, and obviously, it's also the most nine-numbedly boring way to play the game, right? Yeah. But but even in future versions of the game, where you know Civ three had corruption, Civ five had sorry Civ three had corruption, Civ four had maintenance, Civ five had global unhappiness. I, I assume Civ six basically kind of did that as well. Um, the uh, you know they all have different things basically trying to force the player, and then you know they enforce a minimum distance between the cities. They basically had had a bunch of stuff in there to make the game difficult for for people to do that because that's the root of the problem. That like yeah. It's it's almost always better to cram in as many cities as possible, but that's not making it's not making the game better for the player. They're not going to enjoy the game more because of that. They're just going to yeah. perform better, but like in an unenjoyable way, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, the solution to that it was it was fairly uh, fairly simple. That's like that's what what the city sites are for. Right? Love it. Love yeah. that feature. Very yeah. good. Yeah. And. Um, 
the odd thing about it is really not revolutionary at all, right? Like we're just doing what Masters of Orion did, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just, yep. right? Like every <laughs> every game with planets, like that's just another word for city sites, basically, right? Yeah, so just um, to explain what city sites are really quick, they are uh, in the generated map, they are predestined uh, spaces where you can found a city, uh, right? Yep, Pretty much? yep, exactly. Um, and like a lot of things with design, like once you put something in, then you see a bunch of secondary effects that are really interesting where it's like, oh, yeah. also we can put tribes on top of them, right? And now there's mm-hmm. this like focal point for conflict and you can like claim a city site, which will basically, you know, until you have a settler, now you have a right to this territory. Like, and in, you know, if another player wants it, they're gonna have to come and like, like knock your guy off the hill basically, right? Yeah. Um, and that that stuff really, really works well, um, you know, and, it, it also allowed one unit per tile to work well for our game. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's a, you know, <laughs> multiple units per tile, one unit per tile. This is a very contentious point, um, you know, in the in the Civ community. Um, generally speaking, people like one unit per tile, but it causes a lot of, of uh, basically traffic jams, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like you just, yeah. there isn't room to move your units between these cities. And the reason why it's a problem is because people try to pack their cities in as closely as possible. Right. Yeah. So city city sites essentially give give one unit per tile room to breathe. Right. By right. by enforcing kind of this this very large distance between cities. Um, so, yeah. But it, oh. go ahead. Along similar lines to that with the city sites, and you were mentioning the one unit per tile thing, which is a whole very interesting conversation. Um, but the uh, you know so Civ, uh, I believe it was Civ six that added the um, districts. Yep. Which to me, I was like, yes, that's a good step in the right direction because, you know, one of the problems I've always had with cities is that they are themselves a stack of doom or whatever, yep. right? They sure. have like, it's just one tile with a million things in it. Yep. And I've always thought, why don't you put the things on the tiles, right? Like, and, and so districts was a good step in that direction. And I think Old World then takes that, I think, even further um, with how improvements are done. Uh, right. And, you know, like, you, for example, a barracks you would build outside your base on a particular tile. Yep. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that, that kind of thing of like, okay, if we're doing one unit per tile, let's do like, you know, let's extend that to cities as well in a way. Yep. Yeah, we want the tiles to be as interesting as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it just it seemed to me like, you know, you – I had a real early version where I had – you would go into the city – um, I think basically there's other Forex games that have done this. Like I think Galsiv 3 did this, but like you go into the city and you get a little hex grid, right? And you place your mm-hmm. buildings down on that. And I'm like, and then you could have like adjacency bonuses and various other sure. you know, game mechanics. And at some point it's just, I was just like, well, this is just stupid. Like, it's just, just a little mini game, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. why don't I just put the stuff I have hexes? Like, let me just yeah. put it on the map. And yeah, I remember when Civ 6, you know, we got the early announcements and we were at that point, we were doing that already. Like we were, our, we were putting our buildings on, on the tiles. And it was, it was really interesting to see that, you know, they were, had the same thought. They were just kind of going down a different path. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the issue for them is they, they have too many buildings to do what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. at some point, because essentially what they're doing is they're dropping down different mini cities. Right. Yeah. And like they put down a district and then you could put a number of buildings inside that district. Um, yeah. Where like if our game lasted another, 300 turns like you just you just run out of space right and that's that's even with larger you know more tiles per city than civ has um so that's another advantage of kind of like being at the at the scope we were at so another thing that we should really definitely talk about before we you know start 
running out of time is like the whole action economy, right? And mm. uh, that is something that to me, Civ has always felt, you know, it's always felt kind of like an old school computer game in certain ways, which obviously it is. Um, and, and one of the ways is that, yeah, you can have, you've mentioned it, that you can have, you know, two or three units or you can have like 50 units and then you have to click on every one of them and move them around and all yep. that sort of stuff. And, and so, yeah, having this kind of um, uh, this action economy and I've read some of your articles, I really recommend people go read your design uh, blog because you have some really great articles where you uh, walk through some of the process that you've done for figuring out some of the systems in old world and some of the challenges and, um, and so now you've you've landed on this version of this action economy, which is really kind of interesting because when people hear that, they first would think of, OK, you can move like three units or you can move, um, you know, a certain number of spaces maybe or, you know, something along those lines. But now you have this kind of like textured, uh, layered action economy. Um, and, you know, when I first started playing, I was kind of like, I feel like this is it's too it gives me too many actions. Like I'm, I'm able to do too many. I, I'm not noticing it enough. You know, I'm not running up against it enough, but then when I played a bit, a bit more, when the game started yep. getting more complex, you certainly do start running into it. Um, so yeah, tell talk a little bit about that and how you feel about how that's, that's going now. Yeah. I mean, that was really the additional reason to, um, to make the game. Um, mm. Like it was the first, it was the first moment of like, you know, because I, I had I hadn't really thought about Civ much for a while. I mean, it's always I guess in the back of my brain, I guess, but I hadn't really thought. Well, I'll probably make another four X at some point. Um, it wasn't really till I thought like, hey, what happened if we just took an order system, some sort of energy system, and just slapped it right on top of Civ? Like, let's say even mm-hmm. if we don't change anything else, if we just if we just did that, like, would that make the game more interesting? Like, interesting enough that it would be, it would be like worthwhile to make a game to try it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of played it out a lot in my mind and, you know, I, I thought like, you know, one of the things that, that, that jumped out to me is people love to talk about like guns versus butter in Civ, right? Uh-huh. But like, functionally speaking, it's, it's, it's usually guns and butter, right? Like yeah. if you have workers, you use the workers. If you have military, you use the military. There's like, there's mm. no cost whatsoever to doing, to doing both, right? Mm. The, the, the decision, I mean, there is a decision. It's like, what do your cities produce, right? Like, do you produce more military or produce more workers? But like, sure. after that point, there's no going back and forth of like, oh, once I started a war, now I can't use my workers because like I've got this war going on. Right. Right. And so, you know, early on, it it just, it seemed to me like, oh, okay. Like that would, that would hit that tension that we've always wanted and never really been able to, to, to get to work, Mm -hmm. you know, right off the bat. Um, And, you know, to some extent, I also wanted to see, see how it felt. So that was like the, the very first thing, you know, we did was like, okay, let's just make a really stripped down, like punk rock version of Civ that has orders and it's going to be multiplayer and let's just see what happens. Mm. Right. Like that was like the very first step. And along those lines of the, uh, I guess, guns and butter sort of thing. Um, I actually recently in the last month or two, um, you guys added a, uh, a rule where workers could just become militia. Right. Um, which, I, t- so that's been another problem I've had with these games uh, from the beginning was the role of workers and how they, mm-hmm. they, they, they just, you know, like what you said in the beginning of the game, 
you know, do I build a worker right now or do I build a warrior? And that's kind of an interesting choice. But then at a certain point, you have them both, you know, yep. and the workers don't go anywhere. I think actually Civ 6 did add a cool thing where like workers have like three charges and then they just disappear, which I right. do like. But mm-hmm. another way to do that is like to, uh, you know, how you guys have added this you know, your workers can just become a militia in times of war. And then it's like, yeah. now you've actually really made like a permanent sort of shifting of the resources in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because their, their idea, they're basically trying to tackle the same problem I'm tackling. Right. Because, yeah. because, you know, when you build a worker, what you're really building is three improvements, right? Mm. Like that's, that's what you're building. And so you have to keep reinvesting in that. Um, yes. And, you know, for us, we kind of get at it, with the order system, which I think opens up a lot of other avenues and the resources, right? Like when you build any improvements, you're spending stone and food and wood. Um, and so having like resource stockpiles also makes that interesting because of course you can't spend your wood both on a farm and on an archer, right? You're gonna have to make mm-hmm. up your mind. Um, and uh, shoot, no, I forgot. I think there was some other thing you were asking about. Um, well, yeah, I mean, just those kinds of uh, those sort of axes points where you can create oh, yeah, the militia. You, yeah, yes. you mentioned the, yeah. So that to me, uh, it's funny because that actually came out of the we have a barbarian scenario in the game, which actually I think mm-hmm. is, is actually like a lot of fun. It's really it's a really great way to play. Oh, if cool. you, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's 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 you know it strips the game of all of the AI. Right, it's just horde. It's horde mode basically. Okay. Right? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I think Old World is a strong tactical game. So, like, it does mm-hmm. work. And it's also a really great way if you if you have a friend you want to play with, but, you know, maybe you're at different skill levels or you're not really the type of people who you want to, like, fight against. Like, yeah. you can play with that person against the, barbar- against the barbarians, basically. Yeah. Right? So you're going to have this, like, 60, 80 turn experience where you're going to be building up your your nation. And there's a, there's a timer that counts down. And you know, like, okay, at some point, we're going to get this huge barbarian invasion. And we either ah, survive. Wow, that sounds great. Actually, so. you reminded me. I don't know if you ever played my game called Empire. It was like a mm-hmm. 4X for mobile. Uh, yep. But it had, it was, I, I was sort of inspired by Master of Magic, which does have other... Master Magic has been one of my favorite 4X games ever. And one of the things right. I've always liked about Master Magic is it's effectively like a barbarian mode because there's like no diplomacy, basically. Yeah. It's, yep. you know, and so you're basically just at war with everyone all the time. Yep. Um, and I always found like, you know, um, there is this like big, uh, you know, civilization, history of civilization simulator in which the communicating with other factions and all this kind of stuff is, is definitely part of that experience and that fantasy. But just as a, like a systemic, you know, strategy war, single player war game kind of thing. I, I really love the, the, it's just hordes coming at you and you yeah. got to manage your city and, and defend. So I'm definitely going to check out that barbarian scenario. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this thing that like almost every game with diplomacy is sort of essentially the same game, right? It's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a question of how, how it's arranged. So yeah, the, 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 the barbarian mode, it's just, it really just hones in on like the pure, the pure mechanics. Right. And you, you don't have to, you know, we try, we did the best we could with the diplomacy aspect of the game, but to some extent that's sort of, that's just sort of one of these unsolvable problems where, you know, with the barbarian mode, it's just like how good, how good are the core game mechanics? And it just, it just goes from there. Um, yeah. But the, where I was getting at was that was an idea that came in in that game because mm. because once once the barbarians came it was like well I got all these workers sitting around and we're like well how about what if you could upgrade the militia I was like oh okay well that really worked really well and it's the weird thing is it worked like that for like a year before we we're like hey why don't we just do that in the main game yeah. um, and because really it's like a burn your ships thing it's not something you, you should you should not be set turning your militia <laughs> into you should not be set turning your workers into militia 
unless you really, really, really have to. Right. So yes. it's just, it's just nice to have that, that as a choice. Yeah, no, I love that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so so yeah, let's talk more broadly about um, old world. So I mean, the the other thing that everyone talks about is uh, the sort of the Crusader Kingsy kind of element mm-hmm. of the yep. the you know the interpersonal stuff. Um, wh- like, at what point did that strike you? Were you just were you like really getting into the Crusader Kings kind of games, or like how did it come to to be that you wanted to add that to a Civ kind of game? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of things going around in my, my head. Like, I remember I gave a I gave a talk at GC like 12 years ago about kind of like uh, it's called it was called theme is not meaning, um, mm-hmm. and it's about like basically when a game's theme does not match its gameplay and like what are mm-hmm. the issues with that. But like the very and at the end, I started ta- talking about like history, like what should you do with history games? And like one of my very last slides was like play a person. Right. And this was, mm. this was before I had really conceived of old world at all, but like, I still had that concept in my head just, just because I, I wanted to make a history game feel more like, like, like history as you know, I, yeah. like, I, I know it will always be sort of a compromise, but I felt like that was, that was the right way forward. And so I had, um, and at the same time, you know, I saw this amazing success of Crusader Kings going on. Um, and, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I'd say I was, I was jealous, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they were doing this thing that I thought we really, you know, the game should be going in this direction and they were doing yeah. it and succeeding and, and, and in a, in a super organic way, like that was, that was not a game that like, that had, had funding or like mm. the publisher had, that they really knew what they were even doing. Right. Like they were, mm-hmm. they kind of like, just, you know, had this this Sheer general idea yeah, yeah. And they just they just kept at it and they kept at it and you know the community engaged with it and it, it became this sort of like you know it's like you know like it could, it, dwarf fortress is like a commercial success right like a, a game like that actually turned into like uh you know was 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 a real product right and, yeah um and uh you know that was that was very uh inspiring at the mm-hmm. same time <laughs> Every time I played Crusader Kings, to some extent, I kind of bounced off it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never, oh, interesting. I never really engaged with it in a way where I would say that, like, oh, this is this is now one of my favorite games or something. And that's because um, it's really much more of like a simulation than a, than a game. Yes, right. And what made, what in your mind? What what sort of makes you say that about it? So first off, the point isn't really to win. Right, like you can't win, can you? There is no win state. There, there is, there is like a, a a score, but it's like tucked away way up in the top. I don't, I don't yeah. even know like if there's a threshold or if like you just play until you hit some end date and then it gives you the you know like. I think like, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I got the impression there was no like binary goal type of thing. Yeah, there, so there is something, but it's probably vestigial. Like it was probably something that got put in early on, just because they're like, well, we have to have something. And like people wouldn't just play a game if there was no point. Right. But, mm. um, but of course they, they do and they will. Sure. Um, but that's, I don't know how to make those games, you know, even, mm. even in a historical setting, even with all, it, you know, it is still a strategy game ish thing, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's, you're still making strategic choices, but without the like tension of like, Oh, you, you could win this game or lose this game. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's not really in my wheelhouse to make those type of games. I and feel the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah. And beyond that, like there's the this other issue with this with with the Crusader Kings and with a lot of simulations, which is because they're running in real time, 
there is always this question of, and, and real time, like long real time. If you play like Starcraft or whatever, like, yeah, it's real time, but there's tension, right? So yes. you know, you should always be, do- you should always be doing something, right? Yes. You should never be just watching the screen. Like that's not how Crusader Kings works, right? Like right. you need to just kind of like surf it, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so it just gave me this like eerie tension of like, should I be doing something? Am I, am I screwing up by not doing something? But I feel like yeah. I'm just watching, like, do I let the decisions come to me? Or like, am I, am I not playing the game right? And, uh, right. Um, and so it just, it, I was just like, okay, this is just, you know, this, this is really interesting, but it's, it's, it's sort of not a game for, for my specific aesthetic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to, what I need to do is think through what are the things about this that really work? You know, that's, you know, the, 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 the being able to attach yourself to a character, right. And yeah. think through, um, you know, what, what's, what does that character want? What is that character good at? What is that character bad at? And, oh, there's these other characters in the game that you're going to butt up against. And that's, that's interesting in and of itself. And then eventually you're going to die and someone else is going to take over. There's going to be, an, un, you know, they don't exactly have a family system like we do, but they have, you know, factions that just like you, um, you know, all these different, they have the event, the event system, which is kind of interesting. I, because- I wanted to talk about the event system because to me, that's one of the best things that you brought over from Crusader Kings to mm-hmm. old world is because I, you know, I've one of the most like tedious and annoying things to me that I've always disliked about Civ is the whole, you know, the diplomacy uh, thing, but yeah. specifically like the trading and it's like, Oh, well you take this many sheep for yeah. you know this much gold and all that right. stuff and how you can just at like, I, I always have this weird tension of like, I can just declare these like treaties at like any time. Yep. So it feels really weird. So the um the event system, you know, does a nice little pop up with some narrative. And and by the way, you guys have written like tons and tons. How many of these events are there in the game? There's, uh, I think the current count is like 30, 3,500 of them currently. In yeah. The game. And, so, and that's really cool because it, every one of those has like a little bit of like, you know, narrative and character development type stuff. Yep. And uh, then it, it gives you that prompt right there to like, do you want to do this like treaty or this, you know, betray this person or whatever. Yep. And yep. that really, uh, that, that is such a uh, improvement from the way that Civ did those sorts of, uh, you know, uh, like, I guess you would say like uh, negotiation type of events. Yeah. It's uh Yeah. I've been really happy with the event system too. And uh, it was, it was the biggest challenge working on this game because I'd never done anything like it similarly. Like mm. I actually spent a lot of time kind of like hanging out at like the narrative summit at GDCs, you know, and like mm. getting to know people there. And like, because, you know, like I essentially we were making kind of an interactive fiction game. Right. That, yeah. Um, and it was not something I, you know, had experience with or mm-hmm. really knew where, where to even start. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a long process, but, you know, we, I think the thing that really is nice about the event system is that it can be very specific and it can be very general, right? So mm-hmm. you have, you have these diplomacy things happen, like the game will have, um, triggers and like there's, there's a trigger called war offer, right? And what right. that means is the AI at this point has determined that it might be a good time to go to war with you. <laughs> right for sure. for whatever reason and yeah. so then um it says okay i want to trigger a war offer event and it'll go through the event system the event system is essentially like a giant deck of cards mm-hmm. right so there's 3500 cards right but probably 100 of them are war offer cards right 
Okay. So it's going to throw out all the other events. It's going to take the 100 war offer cards. There's a few bunch of them that are fairly just generic, right? That are like, yeah. you know, hey, we, you know, we don't like the cut of your jib. So, you know, give us some money or we're going to declare war, right? They're essentially, yeah. they're essentially the, the default Civ like events. But yeah. then what we do is we try to just add as many customized ones on top of that that are that that look at the current game state. Like, okay, if you're in a situation where you're close to this this one civ, so this one nation, and they have the, a different religion from you, or they have a leader who has this grudge against you because of this other thing that happened, right. or you held a hostage that you from this previous war that you have with them or this and that, you know, it's like, it's, it's more, if, if there's a, a more specific event that it could draw, it's going to grab one of those. Right. Mm. And so it's going to feel like the events that happen are a continuation of the story that's happening in the game. Yeah. Um, and the, and, and, and beyond that, you, you don't have the kind of like uh, slot machine or uh, vending machine control of it that you get in the like the bargaining table in Civ, where it's just like okay, hit the button. Here comes up a bargaining table. It's all this is all just very gamey. I can just throw whatever I want on my side of the table and like click a button. They'll throw their stuff on their side of the table, and you know, like you know, we would we would do things to say like you can't just make peace whenever you want to, but but right. still like diplomacy should be un like unpredictable and unexpected and interesting and dynamic, right? And yeah. so. Like that's that's what that's what we're doing, and that's what our. For the most part, I don't think that I don't think the mechanics of old world are going to change all that much going forward. I mean, we're you know we're going to look at you know adding new things. You know, we're going to certainly add new things to the game. We're going to keep making content. Um, well, actually, I mean, this is I'm kind of getting when I say content, I'm kind of getting into my my next point here, which is that like I'm not necessarily looking at going to changing like the inner rules, but what I I am going to really focus on is adding more events because mm. we're going to just keep writing events. The hiring we've been doing recently has all been writers. Um, oh, cool. And we've got like, I don't even know, I thought I had five or six writers who are, that's just what they do right now is they're, they're writing events. And so, you know, every month there's going to be more and more events and, you know, we're going to, and, and the, what's really great about events is that I've always struggled with how to add new, more stuff to, uh, to a game. Right. Mm. Like to some extent, I, 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 I don't I don't really like doing expansions. I don't I don't like trying to add extra rules because the whole idea of making a game is like you get everything in the right place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's complete. Right. And yeah. so there's sh- it shouldn't be like, well, if you just add a new, you know, if we just add a manner system, hey, it'll be better. And if we just add mm-hmm. a this system, it'll be even better. It's like, eh. no. No, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's like Minecraft or whatever, like fine, right? Like that 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 sort of makes sense, but not for a strategy game, right? Especially right. not for a strategy game where you can win or lose. But somehow the event system is like like a, a magical way out, right? Like mm. like I don't I don't think there's a downside to adding more and more events because the game we are I already control the rate at which you get events with all these mm. other systems in place. It's just it's just variety, right? It yeah. just means your each playthrough is going to be more and more different and, and it's going to be more and more specific to wherever you end up with this specific playthrough. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm really excited to like, okay, we were in a good place now. What happens if we add 10,000 more events, right? Like, <laughs> right. What, yeah. what will the game feel like then? You know? Yeah, no, that's very exciting. And I, I also just wanted to comment that like, so I look at um, the history of like, particularly strategy video game design as um, you know, I've been really excited well, uh, 
you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I started discovering designer board games mm-hmm, and right. my mind was blown. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait until people who are designing video games start introducing these kinds of mechanisms into sure. into video games. And I feel like Old World, like when you compare it to Civ, it really looks like, you know, someone who understands board game design and board games and has played a lot of board games and is bringing in things like the action economy, things right. like the, we didn't even talk about the tech tree and yeah. how like, you know, it, it uses basically like a deck building type yep. of mechanism. Yep, absolutely. Um, and all these other things. I mean, even the event system reminds me of something that you would find in like some of those slightly more narrative, um, like Arkham yep. Horror or yep. something like that. Yep. Um, you know, and so all these things are these more abstract little machines that kind of do a very specific job rather than, you know, older yep. games were a lot more general. They were a lot more like just a big open grid with, you know, good luck, you know, yep. <laughs> kind of, but, but these are, are just, uh, there's in a sense that it's just more designed. Um, and um, that I think that old world is, is a really positive step in that direction. And so, um, yeah, bravo about oh. that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The event system was very, have you ever played tales of the Arabian nights? Oh no, I have not played it. I've heard of it though. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool game, and uh, it uh, it comes with a rule book with like three thousand events, right? Okay. And it has a it's a has a pretty complicated system for how you draw the events, right? And um, how they 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 they're they're sort of loosely linked, like they 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 don't have chains, but like you get one event and you can get this treasure, and then another event might came up, and if you have this treasure, it now opens up this other thing, right? Mm. And um, you know. It's really good for a board game, but like it just scratches the surface of what you could do if it with like a you know, like a video game that uses similar mechanics, right. right? Like because it's just so much easier to do those stuff like that in digital form. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, for sure. Like I'm 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 super into board games. Like it's been, uh, you know, like there's just been so much. I mean, the, the innovation that happens in board games is just so easy to see, right? You can yeah. it just it's kind of in your face, right? Like there's there's been a ton of great you know, video games too, obviously, but like there's video games kind of sometimes have a problem where like to really, to really benefit from like the, the lessons of a, of a game design, like you got to get like 50 hours into a game to, to really mm. like appreciate it with. Um, whereas, you know, I think with, with board games, like you really play it once or twice and like you're immediately like, Oh, okay. I got five ideas right now, you know, just based yes. on this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the last like major topic I want to talk about is you've mentioned that you are rather critical of your own designs. And I wondered if you'd be interested in sharing some of your critiques of old world, if you have any. Sure. Um, Or or maybe not critiques, but just things that you are like, "Mm," you know, like uh, for the next game, you you might like to try to do better or, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's. There's a few things that, I mean, I definitely felt like um, it's been a challenge trying to communicate the game to people because it, mm-hmm. it, it looks so much like Civ, but it has so many things that are different from Civ yeah. that it's 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 a bit tricky. I, I still think that, um, you know, I never really had made a game with characters before. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was a long struggle to kind of like make them, make them uh, matter. Right. Mm. Like early on for a long time was like real early on. We actually had the, the issue of like, I kind of took too much from Crusader Kings and just was like, Oh, I'm gonna have all these different families. They're gonna have their own family trees. There's all these characters. But it's like, okay. it's just, it's just a giant soup. Right. Like I don't, mm-hmm. 
don't really connect to any of them. So, you know, that's why we added like, you know, oligarchs and matriarchs and patriarchs and your counselors and your courtiers and so on. Um, But I do think that I'd still, you know, I still look at the characters sometimes and see them as like, you know, they are still kind of like a, uh, you know, a collection of stats, you know, a collection of traits, like what could we do to make them, make them come, come more alive. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes am afraid that like, I've kind of, it's not, it's, it's still not my natural, uh, strength as a designer. Um, like, you know, if I'm making more games, they're going to be, <laughs> they're going to be more strategy games. I'm not going to actually start making interactive fiction games. Right. So, sure, sure. um, like I'd, I'd love to partner with, with maybe some people have like a really strong vision of like how to, how to make the characters, uh, more engaging. Some of it that may just have to do with even presentation. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, I think I think that would be that'd be good. I, I um, I, I you reminded me. I wanted to also talk about the uh, the asymmetry in mm. this game as opposed to the asymmetry in Civ because um, I mentioned Master of Magic, which yeah. is probably my favorite four X ever. I mean, I don't. It's such a weird, broken mess, but sure. uh, but it's just so <laughs> lovable. And one of the reasons yeah. it's so lovable is. It's it's one of the uh, one of the most asymmetric 4X games I've ever played in that you have these like really bold choices in the beginning that you know like you have a you pick a species which gives you a completely different set of units you have yeah. uh, you know your magic colors and whatever and so um, I, and by contrast I've always felt that Civ's asymmetry was like do we even need, like, if I just deleted this, would it really change the game? Like it, it doesn't, it's, it was very like weak on the, fl- on the, you know, cause you, what, you get like two special units and you, yeah. it just, it wasn't bold in the way that I always kind of wanted from a four X game. Right. And I think that, I do think that old world is, you know, some is a pretty good step from that. Like when I was looking at, that was one of the first things I looked at was like, Oh, here's the, like the factions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like characters. And, you know, they, they're, they have some very bold uh, asymmetry. Like some, I was like, wow, that sounds like a really big difference, you know, to, uh, I forget what the specifics were, but I just was like scrolling through the, uh, yeah, the like different- the Carthaginians can like hire tribes as mercenaries. Right. And the other, ones right. Can't, exactly. Right? There was things like that. And then, and they're not going to just fall off and disappear either. Yeah. Like they're, they're sort of like permanent uh, differences. And so that is something that I, I think, uh, like I, I would say is I both would compliment the game and that like it's they're very asymmetrical, but they are also it does have that like kind of bag of rules kind of feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I could also I could see another game where it was just more bold and striking in a less numeric way. And I mean, you, you know, u- unique units are something that I I always think about um, as like a very uh, exciting type of asymmetry. Sure. Um uh, and, and your game does have those, uh, and it would also be kind of ridiculous. Like, I mean, I think some of it is in this historical kind of setting, how asymmetrical can yeah. you get compared sure. to like a master of magic or whatever? Yeah. I mean, we'll, uh, it'll never yeah. be, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll never be, whatever we do, it'll never be as good as what they can do. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. But I have, you know, yeah, that's, I remember way early on, I haven't thought about this a long time. I had like an idea of like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to have asymmetrical tech trees, like basically every nation is going to have their own tech tree. And it doesn't oh, necessarily wow. mean like it's going to be 
radically different, right? It could just be like, oh, the Babylonians get to navigation this way, right? And the Persians mm-hmm. get to it this way. And it's just, even if it's just a little bit different, like it would change the feel of the game. Um, yeah, I like that. I, I also like that on a on a sort of so political level because, you know, it, it sort of breaks up that old, you know, there's one route uh, that technology could have ever gone kind of yep. thing that Civ has always had. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the way, like, a lot of our nation differences actually come to play in terms of, like, which families you get, right? Like, because there's 10 families, and every nation gets, like, four of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you pick three when you're actually playing the game. And so um, one of the reasons we did that is, like, yeah, I want want asymmetry, but I also don't want to overload the player with, um, you know, just this massive list of, of, you know, kind of, like, random discrete bonuses that each nation gets yeah right this is the way that we get some some level of re of reuse right like landowners do this the champions do this the clerics do this but not everyone gets them right like that's also like a really nice way to do that um but but yeah yeah i remember remembering that now i think i think like doing a tech tree like doing a unique tech tree that's actually i'll have to I'll have to write this down because sometimes I do despair. Like if we ever going to do old world two, like what would I even do? Right. Mm. Um, because to some extent I just didn't have the time or the effort to be able mm. to, or the energy to be like, okay, I'm do- making all of these huge changes. And I'm also going to give each of these nations like a unique tech tree. Like that's crazy. Right. Yeah, like, that is. Yeah. <laughs> like I just couldn't, I just couldn't pull off now, now that I've, I, I've been, you know, you asked about something I'm not happy with. Um, mm. And I think this might be, I don't know if this is solvable or not. And it's, it's, it's an active debate currently, like in like our Discord community, mm-hmm. is kind of the question of alpha strikes with, with, uh, with the order system, right? Okay. Like, I really like the order system. I think it works great in single player, it works great in multiplayer. It has, you know, it really opens up the game. You know, every turn you could do, th- you could do things so much differently. So to me, it's just like, to me, it's like clearly... It's, it's a win in terms of like I agree. moving yeah. the game design forward. However, um, because you can move a bunch of units at once and you can sometimes, you can sometimes make moves that are with units that are outside of someone else's visibility. There is kind of this, this alpha strike issue, which doesn't really become an issue in single player because we can have the AI perform however we want, but mm-hmm. like a multiplayer, what they're basically saying is early on in the game, when there aren't as many units, if you can get in and attack someone first and kill some of their units, like there's a huge, basically there's a huge advantage to whoever attacks first. I see. Especially if you So it's like an information horizon issue kind of, right? Like where you want players, perhaps you might want players to have the opportunity to see that a unit is coming before it can like, you know, permanently affect them. And that's sort of functionally the way, I mean, no one really thought of this, but this is kind of like how it worked in regular Civ, right? Like if you're going to attack someone, this is going to be a multi-turn process and they're going to see you coming, right? So there's no real surprise attacks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's it's, it's a weird problem because... it's, oh, by the way, it's actually one of the reasons we went to one unit per tile. We actually had a multi-unit per tile system that mm-hmm. I thought actually worked pretty well. I just I, was, I just thought like, oh, okay, if you have three units on a tile, someone attacks you, all three of those units get hit, right? Yeah. So it's like, go ahead and stack them if you want, but they're like super vulnerable. And yeah. usually, usually the only reason you'd stack them is to like get multiple hits on some other, on other, some other unit. But that was the mm-hmm. problem, right? Because it made yeah. Alpha Strike work. Be- it made alpha strike worse because you could really overload a front. Right. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, 
that's why we have one unit per tile. And we've done other things. That's, that's sort of why we added forced march. Like there was a fatigue limit, you know, so you can't just right. go way across from the other side of the map. Um, and um, so it's an issue. It's only it's only really an issue at very high level competitive multiplayer play. Sure. Right, like they they have the sense of like okay, early on in the game, there's this alpha strike problem. In the middle, it becomes a little more stalematey because you get forts and onagers, and then at the end of the game, you get cataphracts. You can you can do it again. But frankly, at the end of the game, if you get to the end of the game like that, that's awesome. You know, like it, the, the balance doesn't really matter at that point. It's really the yeah. early game where it's a problem. And so the question for me is like, is that something I can solve without taking away like the magic of orders, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, what's the, what's the solution, right? Like either you can move your units a long distance or you can't. And well, don't units have an exhaustion feature? Like they have their own little pips, right? Like for how far they individually can go. Right. Yes. They each have their own sort of fatigue limit, you know, like three mm-hmm. or four or whatever. And so that's their natural range and they can spend training to go beyond that. Um, okay. If they, if they want to, um, but generally speaking, the, the issue is, is is also just the way that the combat works. Like the combat mm-hmm. is unusual because it's all offensive, right? right? You attack a unit and it's not like Civ where it's like, oh, now they're going to have a little battle. Instead, you just hit them. And if the two units are evenly matched, you're basically going to take away half, a third of their hit points. So you kind right. of basically need to hit them three times. I'm curious, why, why is that the case as opposed to the Civ style? Um, because um, if you allow units to counterattack. First off, it's lazy like you're getting an attack for free without spending uh-huh. orders. Like sure, my, oh, that's in, true. In my head, it's like, okay, I spend an order to attack on my turn, and then you're going to spend an order to counterattack on your turn. Got that's, it. Okay. That's why combat isn't to the death, right? It's I just see. like, I strike you, and then you strike back, and then I strike you, right? Okay. Um, now, of course, if you strike me with unit A, and then unit B, and then unit C, I'm going to be dead, so I can't even strike back. Like, that's... Yeah. That's the core of the alpha strike problem, right? right? The hard part about this question is in a lot of Civ game, in a lot of 4X multiplayer, the real problem is not alpha strikes, it's stalemates, mm. right? And if I, a- attacking is fun. Like that's the sure. other thing that I really wanted to emphasize is that like I want a game where, that's another reason why the combat works like that. Like, uh-huh. I don't want you to, even, even if you're like out, you know, you're facing units that are like uh, technologically superior to you, uh-huh. you can still attack them and feel like you're doing something. Like I'm yeah, still hitting yeah. them and I'm Feels not, good. you know, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I want people to, to do things. I don't want you to wait. Like in, in, you see a lot in Civ where what players do to beat the AI is they just find some super defensive location, fortify their units. And then the AI just because... I don't know. That's, I don't know. Else, whatever. It's a whole other story. But the AI base basically mm-hmm. sends their units to you. They just kill kill themselves on your on the rocks. You know, basically, like they just keep banging their head against against you. And right, right. They lose all their units that way. So I didn't want that. I want a game where if you're gonna if you're gonna win military, you have to do it actively. You have to do something. It, it also just goes hand in hand with the order system. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does, uh, for sure. Actually, you, you also reminded me um, when you were talking about this combat issue, and, and it's another thing that I love about Old World that I'm that actually has like uh, kind of unlocked all these other possibilities is the way 
So something that's always sucked in every single game where there were more than one con- continent and you had a boat and you could put units on the boat and bring the <laughs> things across on the transport and then yeah. take them off the transport. Yeah. All of that in every game from like Warcraft 2 uh, yeah. until, you know, Civ 6 yeah. or whatever has always been just a nightmare. Yeah, and sure. Uh, one of the most genius things in Old World is the anchor system where you right. just place a boat and then it gets this nice big radius and then your units can just walk right through there. Yep. And um, to me, that's like, that's just brilliant. That's a, that's uh, really a, a stroke of genius in my opinion. And I think that, but I also think that like, th- that me t- made me think like, well, what if like units fighting worked that way or something like maybe not for old world, but for a game like this, like, you know, what if, you know, you just, you take a unit over to the enemy territory and you just press like the anchor or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm in battle now button. And now they're just doing damage sort of passively to all the units every turn that are within range or whatever. Um, I don't know that that's exactly the right rule, but that abstraction of the, you know, I'm going to literally move this unit from here to there and load things onto it and into this. Just no, no, no. You just need to have the boat in the area. Right. Like to me, that's such a brilliant concept. And I feel like a whole nother game, uh, another 4X game could be made using that um, sure. sort of concept. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely make sieges work like that. You know, I could mm. definitely see something like that. Or you even just have specific units that work like that, which is, which True. is kind of interesting. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, there's 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 lots of space here. I mean, when when I'm thinking about this Alpha Strike problem, it, it, it's kind of one of these things of like, I, you know, I don't know if you can ever you can ever make the perfect game because it is one of these things where you just you, you pull on you get something lined up and then something else falls out, right? And it's, of course, yeah, it's hard to get it right. And like, I would rather I've kind of made the choice that I'd rather err on the end on the side of making the right thing to do, do something active, than like fall into a problem where there's like this the Stanley thing. But if I'm thinking about like something that I'd like to improve or I, I, I worry about, or I wish I could fix. It's, it's kind of this issue. And I'm not, mm. I'm not, I'm not really entirely sure what to do. We actually added an option just recently where you can actually turn off force march entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so units are, have a, do have a hard limit of, of their fatigue. And that's, that's just for like these basically competitive multiplayer. Uh, I folks see. Where it's like, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of do it that way, uh, you can, but it, I also look at the flip side of like I played a lot of kind of like advanced war and advanced war e type games, mm-hmm. um, and I've always felt like a lot of those games if they try to make a multiplayer have this opposite weird problem of you don't want to be the person to step forward first, right? Right, right into the range, right? Yeah, yeah. like there's some there's there's always gonna be some no man's land between the two sides, and usually it's like whoever steps in first is the one that's going to get slaughtered, um, yep. and like. You know, I kind of look at that and I'm like, well, you know, which is which is the worst problem to have, uh, yeah. right? You That's know? interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, we, we should always be trying to <laughs> to fix each problem we see. So, yeah, it's, no, it's it's, it's over. game design is always picking your poisons, right? And yep. picking the poison that goes with the thing that is you know yummiest to you, right? And and I think for you, yeah, like it's like yeah, get the action going, get the like attacking and and doing things and progressing things forward. Like I think that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah. I would suggest I really do like the idea of turning off forced march or, or you know, putting some kind of hard limit on units. Like to me, it's weird if one unit, also even just thematically, it's weird if one unit can like you just like dump a million orders into one unit and it just goes like a you know really far. Like I, I, I sort of feel like 
part of the solution might be to like put that hard cap on how far yeah. any one particular unit could go. But um, there's many different, there's downsides to that too, you know? Yeah. My, yeah, my my personal personal favorite version of the game was the the original, just completely unlimited orders. Like, do whatever you want to, whenever you want to. Mm. <laughs> like, I just was, you know, to me, it was like both sides can do it. So, you know, have at it, right? Like, have yeah. complete strategic control. But yeah, it 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 just kind of weirds people out too much. <laughs> like right. It's it's and it, it does have problems. Like it it certainly the Alpha Strike problem was was less when we added force march and putting a more hard 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 cap on it you know like you're talking about would 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 certainly help so you know yeah it is totally like what you know what fits the aesthetic of of the the people who are playing uh before you go i'd love to hear uh what games are you playing right now do you have any recommendations or just interesting games that you're playing that you could talk about for a couple minutes um let me think what have i been playing recently i um uh, the, I mean, uh, it's hard for game designers to find time to play games, in my opinion. So if you know, <laughs> right. you can't come up with anything. I believe me, I feel that. Yeah, um, it's funny because this, I, I get asked this question a lot, and I I, I often um, realize afterwards, like, of course, I've been playing a bunch of games. I just had to like think through like what actually went. I went th- I went through a phase of like trying to play a bunch of different. Um, Hearthstone type games, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in that that category. Um, like, uh, I found Gwent really interesting, like oh, really yeah. audacious. Like when I was like, oh wait a minute, like every card is just a special power. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like there there is no there is no base. You know, like you know, Magic and Hearthstone just you know still have the base. Wait, like, the cards don't even have numbers on them. Well, they have numbers for their cost or something. Okay. But like, you know, both in Hearthstone and Magic, you have, like, attack power and you have, yeah. like, a, a health, right? And that's just, yeah. that's, the, that's the basis of the game, right? Like, the game would still sure. fun, fundamentally work without every card having some interesting power. It would be super boring, right? But it would yeah. still function. Like, yeah. Gwent doesn't have that at all. Like, every huh. single power. Have you ever played Love Letter? Yes. Yeah. So, it's like every card in Gwent is, like, a card from Love, Let- Love, Love Letter. Wow. That's, like... I- I played an early, I played one very, very early version of Gwent where, and it definitely did have numbers and I loved that very earliest version. And then mm. they completely rehauled it okay. at one point. And the new version, the the one, the second version I had played was a lot more like just kind of a, more towards a generic CCG, I thought. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, this is kind of lost what was special about it. And now it sounds like they've probably rehauled it again because it's, it, I don't remember the the no numbers thing. That sounds crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there must be. I mean, it's been a few months. There must be health or something, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's health because that's like your score essentially. Right. Because you're, you're like trying to get score. You're trying to get health on the map, and so you can attack yes. other people's. Units. So basically, there there is health, but there's no attack. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. your the attack would be like the power on the card. Like if you play mm-hmm. this card, it does two damage in this way, but it's, it's a one-time thing. It's not like something where you're using the, 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 the card over and over again. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I found that really audacious. I went through a phase where I played a whole lot of uh, tactical RPGs um, mm. and was super impressed uh, by uh, For the King and Wildermyth. Um, oh, okay. I'll have and, to check those uh, out. Yeah. Wildermyth has got, has, has, you know, had some pretty good success. Um uh, you know, recently with, uh, you know, because it 
you know, kind of came out of nowhere. People responded to really well. It's, it's won some awards. Um, and they have a, a kind of a fairly similar, similar approach to events that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost, you could say it's like a, you know, a tactical RPG with an, like with an event system where we're like a 4X with an event system. Right. 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 Um, and uh, uh, it was really nice. But, but I also found for the King to be like super strong, uh, just mechanically, like a mm. really, really good, strong and really interesting game because it seems like no one ever talks about it, but like it's sold like millions of copies. Huh. Um, so it's this, it's this weird, like super successful game that's super well designed that I've almost never heard anyone talk about. So I've never heard anyone talk about it now. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know what the deal is, but like I was really, really impressed. And I played a whole bunch, right? Like I played, I don't want to name the other ones because I'm inherently like <laughs> saying these are the ones I preferred, but like I played a whole bunch of this category and uh, like, I was really impressed before the King. Um, all right, cool. I'll have to check that out. That sounds, sounds awesome. Yep. Um, all right. Well, Soren, thank you so much for coming on the show. I don't know if there's anything else you want to uh, talk about or, or pitch before we go. Um, where should people go to learn more about uh, Old World? And also, when is the game coming to Steam? Is it coming sure. to Steam? Uh, it's coming very soon. It's coming up. To, it's coming out, coming out on Steam on May 19th. Um, Whoa. Awesome. So right around the corner. I guess that's like uh, two weeks, basically two weeks away. Uh, no less than that. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> things are, things are a little busy around here. Um, yeah. and we have, um, we have a DLC that's coming out that, that same day. Uh, it's called heroes of the Aegean. It has this, um, big, long six, um, six scenario campaign about, uh, a Greek campaign that goes from like, you know, Thermopylae all the way through Alexander's conquest of Persia to actually the end of, you know, his, his empire falling apart with the, like the generals fighting each other. Um, and I've discovered that having, having a robust event system means that scenarios can actually be good. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've never been super impressed with scenarios in Forex games, but uh, and it's also still not my skill. Like I'm not the one designing the scenarios because I'm still not uh-huh. very good at content, but um, I, I think that we're going to be able to make some really, really cool scenarios over, over the, the years with, with old world because the, that's amazing because yeah, the um, event system gives, gives a lot of tools for that. Um, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. A lot of scenarios are just like a starting setup and then yep. it's just normal Civ. But yep. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. So you write custom uh, events for the yep. scenarios? Yeah, that's each of amazing. the scenarios has like hundreds of custom events just for them. So um, that's great. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about, about well, both those. And that'll be, yeah. I should mention that that DLC will be free. It, it also has another a uh, big component to that, but we are only going to announce that on May 19th and it's going to okay. be free for the first two weeks. Um, to everyone who, everyone who, who has already bought old world uh, and everyone who buys it for the next, for that period. So, well, that's amazing. Good luck with the steam launch. And um, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on uh, the patch notes. Uh, I love reading patch notes so much. Sure. It's like my, <laughs> I love it at least as much as I love playing video games. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keep up the great work and thank you again so much for coming on the show. Cool. All right. Thanks, Keith. It was it was a lot of fun.